1: Welcome to On The Bench. I am your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone. See how I said my name correctly there, fellas? Improvement. Getting 1% better each day. I'm joined by Chris Nee and Zach Blaustein. We're actually live on our YouTube channel right now, so if you're watching on YouTube, hello! Uh, Zach, should they like and subscribe and and anything else to YouTube?
2: They should like and subscribe and turn on our post notifications so you know when all the latest news is dropping.
1: Uh, and there's going to be a lot of news. There has been a lot of news. There will continue to be a lot of news as FSU is wrapping up spring practice. Just had the spring game or uh, er, showcase, Chris. And uh, and there's going to be attrition, there's going to be recruiting stuff happening. It's a very busy time of year. So yeah, make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. Thanks to all the podcast listeners. We appreciate your constant support. Let's get into it. FSU had the spring game showcase this past weekend. And uh a lot of good vibes coming out of it. Chris, let's start off with just general thoughts on, you know, let's start off with quarterback play. That's what people want to know, that's what they're here to hear about. The 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 present of Jordan Travis, the future of Brock Lynn, everything in between. Uh, what were your thoughts on the spring game, specifically the quarterback play?
0: I mean, I think people always have to remember, and at the end of the day, it's just an spring practice. So, like, that's the preface to all of this conversation. Uh, I thought quarterback play, I thought JT was excellent the pass. The Tron in the corners as good as it gets for that touchdown. I thought Tate had a good day all in all, you know, Tate had some Tate moments. But in general, I think Tate kind of showed what he's done consistently this ring, which is be a little bit better at decision making. Uh, Duffy and Glenn both had rocky moments, especially early on. Glenn settled in and had some good moments late, which was good to see. Duffy obviously had a very bad interception throw that I'm sure in the film room he would definitely want to take back. Uh, you know, I'm not going to make too much of one practice within 15 practices, but to me, the competition kind of looked like what it's consistently been throughout the first 14 practices of the spring, which included Saturday's spring game slash showcase, which was number 14. Today is number 15 for those that don't know.
1: Zach, what about you? You've been out at, at just about, or uh, probably every practice this spring. Anything noteworthy that was different, or, or the other side of it? Anything that just kind of confirmed what we've seen that you think is worth uh, worth discussing for our listenership here today?
2: I don't think anything was super surprising. I think Jordan had a, uh, an awesome day, like usual. Uh, Tate had some ups and downs, but it was clearly, I think, the quarterback two ahead of Duffy and Glenn, who, like Chris said, you know, maybe started off a little slow, but uh, you know. It, it followed a lot of the trend trends we saw during the spring, right? Brock Glenn, you know, have some tough moments, but towards the end of that game, he put it, he kind of put it all together and, and finished capped off that touchdown drive. So that was impressive. And I, and I think it just goes to show that, that Glenn has that, that right mindset, you know, even if things aren't going well, he's not going to get down on himself. And, you know, it's next play mentality. And I think he exemplified that on Saturday. I don't want to take away too much. I mean, it's a, it's a, essentially another practice, the way they held it as well. Um, I mean, it was it was basically the third scrimmage. And I think, you know, FSU should put, put a good product on the field, especially the quarterback position.
1: People are in the chat asking about Wilt Fong and a crystal we'll ball. That. We'll get to that. We will get to a bunch of recruiting stuff, including Wilt Fong's prediction. Uh, before we go any further into the evaluation of the spring game and the quarterback play, I need to give a shout-out to – Chattanooga whiskey, I've got multiple bottles here, but more than my arms can can carry or my hands can carry. I have their rye in one hand, I got their bottled and bond in another from spring of 2018, both are excellent. Uh, They are a craft distillery in Chattanooga, Tennessee that's doing craft distilling as well as anyone out there. Legitimately one of my favorite bourbons, of of many bourbons behind me and many more on the other side of the shelf and and other places at the house too, Uh, much to my wife's chagrin. Uh, But Chattanooga whiskey does an excellent job. Their 111 cast strength is one of the best values out there, sub $50 for a high proof whiskey that doesn't knock you on your butt. Their rye, I finally got to try and adore it. I I love it. It's a bourbon drinker's rye. It's not too spicy. It's got a lot of sweet elements to it. So, yeah, Chattanooga Whiskey, newest sponsor of On the Bench, and and very happy to have them because they're fantastic. If you guys are in the bourbon game or trying to get into it, support the people who are supporting us. And I can't recommend them enough. They are excellent. Uh, For the a quarterback play, Zach hinted on this. I think it's just something to talk on real quick, and, and that's Brock Glenn's poise, his maturity. We've talked about it uh, throughout the spring. People finally got to see it with their own two eyes, right, with w- what, what we were talking about, and it manifests itself in a couple ways. One, uh, watching him start off slow, just missing some some legitimately just missing passes, like just layups that he's not hitting. Um, but Then he settles in, and he gets better as the game goes on. Make some really nice throws, some really nice decisions. There was a seam pass in the middle of a zone defense. There was the back shoulder fade to all day Dre. Uh, it was nice to see Dre get get involved and show off his athleticism as well. Uh, Chris is shaking his head adamantly, nodding his head adamantly as the the fan of, or the head of the fan base there, our fan club. Excuse me. I know I'm saying a lot right now, and the caffeine is trickling in. Um, but then Brock also had like some good decisions in the red zone. Nice little out pattern hiking Williams for a touchdown. He also had a nice decision to throw the ball away when there wasn't anything there. Uh, so the performance got progressively better. But then also guys like the body language. I think we've noticed that this spring. I thought that was on display though on Saturday as well. Like Mike goes to, Mike Marvel goes to say something to him to kind of chew him out a little bit. And Brocklin just handles it so well. Like eye contact there, body language is great. It's such a nice indicator I think of, of what he is going to become because he shows you he's willing to handle coaching he actually wants coaching that's a really good sign
0: yeah I mean he had a very bad for lack of a better term three and out kind of early in there and he did come back and respond to that and that's a huge thing in this program it's something that's echoed constantly by the coaching staff I think that room as a whole has been handled really well by Tony Tokars you're dealing with a lot of guys at different stages of development maturity and the college game and I think it's a good sign I think Brock Lynn for a guy who's 14 days into practicing here, plus tour of duty basically, is a guy that it's promising. I don't want to build him into something more, but it is promising. Like there, there are reasons they recruited him, those are on display. But for a kid who used the cliche is supposed to be getting ready for his high school prom, he looks very comfortable in the college game. I think that's a big, big positive. And I think those 15 practices are gonna benefit Brock immensely because he got thrown into an offensive system with a team that's very mature, older, and fully understands what they're doing, and he had to play catch-up. And, you know, there were probably times his head was spinning, but he never kind of showed that. He just kept going, 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 took the bad moments, learned from them, had better moments. And I think that's a big sign for a kid who's so new to the game.
1: All right, let's talk about some other positions along the offensive side of the ball. I will start off two performances and in, in re-watching the game that I was really pleased with, and that was the two main tackles of the game. Bless Harris on one side, Darius Washington on the other, and they're going against all ACC defensive ends like Jared Verse and Patrick Payton. I thought they handled themselves well, even though Jared Verse was disruptive. You're able to contain him and handle him in some one-on-one situations for those offensive tackles. I think that's really encouraging because the offensive line depth, we talked about it throughout the spring better. Uh, if those two guys are going to give you a chance of, of high level snaps at tackle, potentially like that creates a lot of variables uh, with Jeremiah Byers, where he can go when you get Robert Scott back, like that's a maximization of your assets. So I was really pleased with seeing both those guys. That's a continuation of what they've done throughout the spring, especially in the back half of the spring, both looked really good. Uh, So I'll start off there, the bidding with those guys' performances that stood out. Chris, I'll throw this to you. I guess who else stood out uh, on the offensive side of the ball?
0: Real quick on O-line, I would just say I don't think we ever saw their best five together a whole lot at any point this whole spring and definitely on Saturday, and that's by intention. They want to mix. They want to match. They want to cross-train. They want to make guys uncomfortable. If guys having a good stretch at one position, they're going to move them to another just to kind of do that. They want to have that versatility within that group. Uh, For me, it starts with Tron. Uh, especially on a day where johnny wilson was unavailable i thought tron was phenomenal i I thought he capped lack of a better term because they do have one more practice a great spring where he solidified himself as a number two uh my boy zach down there throwing on the crown crown him king of the spring he is and uh the runner up in that category i think for most of us probably rodney hill i thought he again had a very good day showed very well Had a couple good plays. Mike Norvell, I believe it was afterwards, mentioned that. uh, The little pass he caught, the little flare over the top on the right side there. uh, He didn't do that in an earlier practice, maybe Thursday's practice. I think it was a relatively recent one. He was glad to see the response of him going out there and doing that. But Rodney Hill brings a little something to the running game. Very talented running back room. You know, we know what Trey Benson is. LT's continuing to develop and become a better player and a very dependable player. But I think Rodney Hill is a guy that can give you some real juice in that room beyond those first couple guys.
1: Zach, what about you? Do you want to do you want to take your uh, take your victory lap with Ken Trumpertier Probably being the king of the spring. I won't announce anything. I still got to do some analysis. I got to throw some things through the algorithm. Got to see what happens. But uh, but yeah, you got to be feeling pretty good about where he's sitting in pole position right now, going into the final day of practice.
2: Yeah, I just knew you know Tron would would step up to the occasion. He was the guy. Um, kind of all
1: right. Zach, the muted. Enough of that. We don't need, we don't need any. Starting that. that
2: second week of practice, um, he. He kind of stepped up and man he just really took took the reins of of your king in the spring rankings after uh saturday it's not even who, close
1: who has the ability to override me on the back end of the system zach chris can
2: unmute myself is that what you're talking
1: about yeah
2: yeah i'm allowed to unmute myself
1: i don't like that i want to be like a like a child lock in the car uh people are asking about tight end usage in the spring game i mean that's a spring game, guys. Like uh, I think some of it with the versatility of like a Jahim Bell, I'm sure it will be on further display uh, during during the season. I, I don't have many concerns yeah. about that. I, I did like that we got to see Jaheim Bell be athletic downfield, make a nice catch. Kyle Morlock, I feel like has had a really nice like ascension throughout the course of the spring. Showed up on Saturday. Preston Daniels had a good spring where he just keeps battling, chipping away. I mentioned early on like the athleticism athleticism looked better. I'm happy when it gets to show up and people don't think I'm just saying things about tight ends, like, you know, Wyatt Rector last year. It's it's nice when when guys show up and show out on a spring game like that.
0: I would add on the offensive stuff, on Thursday after practice, we spoke with uh, Yak David Yak Johnson. We spoke with Chris Thompson. We spoke with Ron Dugans. We spoke with Tony Tokars. Those videos can be found on our YouTube channel as well as the site. It's worth going and checking those out. Most of the comments made by them are overriding 13 practices at that point now 14 and those comments hold true Thompson spoke a great deal about tight end usage of different guys in the room we've seen examples of Morlock of Bell having big days being used in a variety of ways just because that wasn't on display on Saturday doesn't mean it doesn't exist it just wasn't on display on Saturday um, but yeah all, in all I feel very confident in what they have offensively I, I think that's a very talented group that can put up a lot of points You know, we got to remember they did not have Johnny Wilson. Trey Benson's usage wasn't all that high on the day. Jordan Travis has continued to improve and show ownership. I think the biggest thing for JT this spring has been complete and utter ownership of the offensive system and, you know, commanding guys and demanding it of guys, but also not being like an overbearing leader not trying to just do it to do it. It's kind of come natural, and that's something that he's worked to throughout his career. So I feel extremely confident about what Mike Morvell has at his disposal with that offensive group and what Alex Atkins and the other staffs on that, the other members of that offensive staff have done.
1: Uh, defensive side of the ball, switching gears there. Um, defensive line is what we thought it was. I think like with just the depth, it was pretty cool. Like you, could, you can see like Fabian Lovett didn't go on, on Saturday and, Jared Verse maybe went a couple series. Patrick Payton maybe went a couple series. But then you see someone like Byron Turner go ahead and get two sacks on back-to-back plays, with with one of those being a very impressive, like, show of of bend and athleticism. Our message board went crazy over Ayobami Tafasi because you got to see him in action finally. And, like, I always, like, he's – the upside is so clear it, it, and almost starting at times when you see how he moves uh, the Robert Cooper comps people. Come on. He's like 30 pounds lighter than Robert Cooper just because they're wearing 91. Let, let's, let's, elevate the the comparison game a little bit, but he looks like someone who can help you out. And I think that's exciting. Daniel Lyons, Josh Farmer, all make impact plays. Daryl Jackson was dominant. I thought when he was in the game. Um, so yeah, defense line's really good. Linebacker play was, was solid. Even with Tatum, but not there. Oh, I said solid. Uh, let, let's side a light on Kalen Deloach. He was great in playing fast. Two takeaways, both probably guys for touchdowns, fair to say.
0: Yeah. Um, I thought Adam Fuller, again, plugging some of our content, Adam Fuller speaking after the game about Kalen Deloach, I thought his comments were a little meandering and long, but I think the general gist I took from it was Kalen Deloach's consistency is very good. His capability of being, of being extremely good, sort of of how he played on Saturday, is what they're pushing for, him to be that every day out and you know i think Kalen's a guy that they've really liked i thought omar graham showed well he's a guy that they've pushed a lot of reps upon and he's kind of taking it and run with it uh, i'll also add on D d-line group no brayden fisk still you know he's still oh, coming yeah. back from the shoulder deal yet he and he's a cat that they wholeheartedly think is going to be a major top two level depth chart player for them if not a starter so yeah there's a ton of talent up front feel pretty good about it we know what tatum is consistently he's just got to get completely Back on his feet and healthy. You know, that's why we didn't see him on Saturday. Nothing really concerning there. But Omar Graham showed well. DeMarco Ward had good moments continuing an overriding theme of the spring. He also had freshman moments again, continuing the same themes. In general, with that group, I felt pretty good about what we saw. Um, yeah, they're they're still two-deep group at linebacker. I'll let one of you two jump in on defense acts.
2: Yeah, I thought several had good days. I mean, honestly. I haven't really rewatched the spring game yet to like kind of break down you know who specifically stood out. I thought the defensive backs played pretty well. Um, there weren't any uh, massive uh, you know mix-ups in coverage, and I think that's a good thing to see in the spring game. You know there were some plays made downfield, obviously by wide receivers, but the the defensive backs, especially early on, did a really good job of of keeping FSU's offense in check, um, especially that starting unit. Um, you know, Fentrell Cypress. Greedy Vance, the guys that ran out there first, um, Renato Green obviously, and then the back half guys like Shaheen Brown and, and Akeem Dent.
1: Did, did the starting like I feel like most of chunk plays FSU's offense got came against the twos or the threes. Like, I don't know if the yeah,
2: I think the starting defense pretty much shut down FSU's starting down. offense and any other offense that ran out there.
1: Let's uh, let's let's give a little love to to Q Jones, Quindarius Jones, some that we've I think all been pretty high on throughout the spring. I want to give Kev a Little a shout-out, though, because he's been the head of that that fan club. Um, that's a nice – I don't think Zach thought that one through. Quavarius um, <laughs> Jones had a really nice <laughs> interception. Chris, he had he had some uh, – Adam Fuller had some nice praise for Cordarius Jones. Again, we've seen this throughout the spring. I, I'm excited when the things that we see shows up for people to actually see and kind of manifest and, like, see what we've been talking about. This is a guy who didn't have any offers uh, coming out of, of – high school other than Florida state. And he looks like he belongs at, at Florida state.
0: Yeah. You know, the final thing is the pick out, wasn't even the way. most. Im- what? the I pick? I definitely thought that out by the way. Okay. The pick wasn't even the most impressive play by him for me. I thought the PBU where he extended the arm fully and broke it up, got it between the hands on right? the way. Yeah. I forget exactly where it was on the field, but it was length on full display. And that's the nice thing about Quindarius, is there's a whole lot of athleticism there. But the measurements are also what kind of stand out with him. It was fun to see. Uh, he's he's got a boatload of talent. He doesn't look scared out there ever. He's very competitive against some really good receivers on that football team. And he gets after. And I think that's again to talk about their evaluation, how they kind of put guys through the ringer. Quendarius Jones is a dude who came to their elite camp last year and competed with the likes of Dre Jacobs, Camden Fryer, and plenty of other good talented receivers. And he went out there and competed at his backside off and he competed at a high level. And that's why they offered him. That's why they took him. That's why they believed in him. They also had looked at film before that. That's why they invited him and all of that. But, like, they had that in-person evaluation of, yeah, this dude showed up. He he walked in the gym and nobody knew who he was and put together a game. And that's why they went with him. And that's showing in the spring. I think, you know, the staff's very good at that. When they kind of have that hands-on feel for a kid, I think they're extremely good at it. I think when Darius Jones has proven them right.
1: All right. So the defense – First team they were supposed to do. I think we had to see the defensive line depth uh, last day of spring practice today, Monday evening. I think it's going to be more of a walkthrough kind of a tightening up, clean up things, learning points from the spring game. We'll be able to talk to defensive side of the ball coaches. So Pat Sertan, who's clearly had a nice influence, John Papuches, Odell Hagans and Randy Shannon as well. Uh, so that'll be on those 24 seven, some coverage of that this evening. And that's it. We're done with spring. Then we do some more spring recap stuff later on. We can kind of catch our breath uh, from all the recruiting content that's going on as well. But just real quick, fellas, last thing on the spring, general takeaway. Like we went into the spring thinking this was a good team. Uh, Chris, I'll start with you. We still think this is a good team exiting, correct?
0: Yeah, I think it's a very good team. I think it's a team capable of putting up a ton of points. I think it's a team that's capable of on the nights when they have to play a defensive game, being good at it. I think the depth is vastly improved. Uh, I'm a big believer. You got to have 44 good ones to be a really good football team. I think FSU is now there um, special teams. Truthfully is the area that's probably most concerning to me exiting the spring. I don't feel supremely confident in the kicking game still and the punt return game without my Pittman has been a bit of a concern. So those are two things that I can legitimately point to as concerns for me, but Hey, seven, not three, and we don't have to worry about that stuff. So that that's kind of where I'm at with it. So, I I feel really good about it. I also think that it's becoming a very well player-led team. And the best teams to go cliche on you. The best teams are player-led teams. And offensively, Jordan Travis is that dude. And defensively, they got several Jared Versus among them who help lead them. And that that it shows. It shows on a daily basis. Yeah, I agree. I like come away from the spring. I think
2: I'm a little bit more the one thing I came away impressed with was just the defense. I think the defense looked better to me than what I thought it was going to be. I thought, you know, obviously coming in, everyone was pretty hyped up about the, the defensive line, especially the interior. And that's, you know, they've shown that that they're worthy of that hype in my opinion. But I think that, you know, the linebacker play plus, you know, some of the the depth on in the defensive backfield is pretty impressive. And you know, I think they probably should still add a safety um, to that group and, through the portal. And I think that would be a good move, but you know, the defense impressed me. They did a good job of kind of um, holding the offense in check for um, you know, as much as they could have throughout, throughout the uh, spring ball. And I agree with Chris, I think that the special teams uh, specifically punt return in, in the kicking game is, is the most worrisome uh, coming out of spring football. I think those two, uh, positions. I mean, kicker. You, I think you just kind of got to deal with wh- what you got to deal with. But I think punt returns got to be something you're trying to alleviate over the off season, especially if you know the the outlook for Micah Pittman coming back sometime this season is not looking great.
1: Zach, have you ever heard of the the Jimbo Fisher debt story anecdote? Did you ever hear that?
0: Uh, I don't think so.
1: Chris is smiling. We He's all well got debt.
0: We all got debt.
1: Someone had asked. This was, I think, in the 2014 season, where Case and Beatty, the punter at the time, who was the punter of the national championship team, he didn't have to punt a ton in 2013, so it wasn't a uh, it wasn't a point of emphasis if he struggled. But 2014, when the offense would have some ebbs and flows, and he wasn't punting the ball very well, it became a, a kind of a common theme of uh, of what's going wrong with special teams and specifically punter. Well, Jimbo, about the middle of the season, was asked about Case and Beatty and specifically the punting game and like how, how you fix it. And Jimbo's response was, and you all got debt. You got problems you can't solve at home. So he referred to a player as having debt.
2: Wow. Yeah. That's a real confidence
0: booster.
1: The, the, the culture of that program was, was, was going in a good direction. Don't worry. It got better.
0: At least it didn't call him Another body.
1: That was Brock. Brock Rubber. Rubber. I yeah. believe.
0: Yeah. He's, he's right. a body.
1: Good time. Okay, back to back to positivity. Let's talk about recruiting, or do we want to do buyer unknown first? What do we want to do? I think recruiting stuff, just because there's some newsy elements to it.
2: Yeah, recruiting.
1: All right. FSU got a commitment this weekend. We'll talk about that in a second. But first off, the the phone crystal ball that people want to talk about in the chat. uh, (laughs) Zach had a pretty big update on Sunday evening at Knowles247.com. If you're not subscribed. I would say now's a good time to do so. You would have just missed out on the Battle's End promo. Uh, promo. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Chris? Help me. We're on live air. so Partnership. Uh, partnership. Pro- promotional
0: cross- offer and partnership, cross yes.
1: Promotion, cross promotions that I was looking for. You just missed out on that. We do have another promotion starting fairly soon, though, I think.
0: Uh, there's I actually know. an ongoing one throughout the whole company. It's, it's linked. If you go to the front page, it should be on the announcement bar. If it's not, I'll make sure it's up
1: there by the time that we wrap this up. All right, cool. So, so another promotion. You guys were giving away the best, most thorough FSU content. I want to say for free, but sometimes for free, if not very little. Uh, so Knowles twenty four seven, where you should definitely be signing up to get your content. Uh, Zach, you—if if people were subscribed to Knowles twenty four seven, they would have seen this information yesterday evening. It's up to twenty thousand views on the message board. So uh, you dropped some nice scoop on a very important prospect. I will meet myself and let you take it away.
2: Yeah, I mean, let's kind of recap what went on in this recruitment over the weekend, right? So five-star tight end, Georgia commit, Landon Thomas made his way to Florida State again on Saturday for the spring showcase. And this was a huge deal. Um, Landon had was taking the ACT test that morning and had to decide whether he was going to Georgia for their G-Day spring game or he was going to go to FSU for their spring showcase. He let me know when he was on his way that I could report the news that he was uh, headed to Tallahassee for the spring showcase, which is obviously a huge deal um, with both occurring on the same day. You know, after the trip, I don't put any crystal balls in um, for FSU. I think it's, I, I'm a jinx. I don't want to jinx you guys. So, um, but I did share my thoughts on the board and, and kind of what I'm hearing, the latest intel on his recruitment. You know, I, I am hearing a lot of optimism about where FSU stands with him. Dating back to, to his visit to Tallahassee in January, the first visit he made since, you know, decommitting from Florida State all the way back in 2021, um, that FSU has been on an upward trend in his recruitment. Um, they've been, and the staff, I think, over the last few months and especially recently has been cautiously optimistic about flipping Lynn and Thomas back into their class. They're also not forcing the issue. I don't think they're putting a, a, a ton of pressure on the kid to, to make a decision, um, they're letting him do what he wants, but obviously they're going to recruit him extremely hard. And I think getting Thomas in this past weekend could be the ultimate turning point in this recruitment. Um, as, like I said before, he chose to attend FSU spring game over Georgia's.
0: It marked his third visit of 2023. That's a good thing to mention. Uh, he was committed to FSU roughly 742 days ago. Um, well, of telling course, awesome of that? But telling What?
1: Of 4th, you I, counted, you I counted I counted
0: every single day myself I promise. Chris went um, with
1: the calendar for
0: the
2: Chris Thompson yeah. redemption
0: tour.
1: <laughs> Was it Chris Thompson what's yep. the uh the Chris Thompson uh, Dexter meme of uh, stunt on these hoes. so Chris Thompson on the on the locker. <laughs> that's Chris. But
0: uh yeah, Landon Thomas is an exceptional talent. He's done a very good job of sustaining a relationship with a young men. They weathered a decommitment and played nice when he committed to Georgia. And yeah, I think we all here feel optimistic that's going to play out in their favor.
1: Yeah, we we have to see. Obviously, nothing has happened publicly. So uh, Kirby Kirby Smart is still going to do do things to try to convince a a prospect of a lot of value uh, to to remain in the class. Georgia's been rolling out tight end development for the last couple of years. Uh, this is a prospect from the state of Georgia, even though he's closer to. Uh, to Tallahassee than he is to Athens uh, in, in South Georgia, Moultrie. But, uh, but yeah, this is a huge step forward for FSU in this recruiting class if you can somehow get the flip from Landon Thomas. He is a top 25 prospect nationally. His film is a ton of fun. We've talked about it before on, on our YouTube channel. I think we had a, a day where we did some evaluations back in January of guys who were visiting. I did something on the tight end board about a week or two ago on Knowles 24-7. Lennon Thomas's film is so much fun. So yeah, if you're Florida State, if you can go ahead and get this flip, uh, that would be a a proof that FSU is a big dog on campus again from a recruiting standpoint. Uh, so we'll
0: see. I see what you did there, big dog.
1: Georgia Bulldogs.
0: Gotcha. If you go at the king, you best not miss. Well,
1: that, that is something to to watch and to monitor, but um for right now, let's let's stay on um, an optimistic standpoint. Um uh, moving on another south georgia prospect uh, this one is in the boat you know you have them right now it's a public commitment from bj gibson four-star athlete from wilcox county in southeast georgia kind of 75 corridor rochelle georgia i guess is the name of the actual city uh that he's in but a small small town in georgia but a prospect with big upside i like bj gibson a ton dane draper is i think the, the head of that fan club he, he's kind of leading that right now but um but B.J. Gibson with an 89 grade for 24-7 sports, I think he's got an 89 and change grade for the composite ranking, so technically four-star athlete. They like him as a wide receiver. Zach, let's talk a little bit about B.J. Gibson, his game and, and his recruitment and, and why this was a nice take for FSU.
2: Yeah, I'll head into his recruitment just kind of tell the story a little bit. Florida State's been the school for him for quite a while. I mean, he's visited five or six times over the past year or so, and they just continued to get him on campus, you know, multiple times this spring. I think he was on campus in January, March, and April, and obviously, you know, for the spring game. And I think leading up to the, the week of the spring game, I had been hearing that that he was looking to, to commit to Florida State. That was kind of the intel surrounding, you know, the people close to him. And, you know, there was some question to whether FSU was going to take him first off, because I think... BJ really wanted to join the class actually in March, um, but the two parties kind of decided to like wait it out a little bit. The spring game comes around, and you know he became a take. And I think um, that's it didn't have anything to do with with BJ's game. FSU really likes him and is really excited to add him to their receiving core. Um, he's an athlete, but he's listed as an athlete, but he's going to play receiver for them. Um, put up some some pretty impressive numbers this past season. I think thirteen hundred receiving yards. Um, I think I read that on some, one of your guys' stories, either you or Danes, but yeah, he's a guy that, that, um, is a two sport athlete. So he's being recruited as well by FSU's baseball staff, Link Jarrett, Rich Wallace are both heavily involved in his recruitment to that baseball team. Um, and, and I think that staff is very excited to add him because he's a guy that especially this, uh, I've been told like his, uh, junior season, I guess, right. Yeah. Junior season of baseball has been really impressive and he's kind of taken a step up. Um, and I think that's that has FSU's baseball staff excited to add him um as well. And they get him obviously without having to use a scholarship because he'll be on scholarship for football.
0: Yeah, he's a former Tennessee baseball commitment. I think that speaks to the level of his talent on the diamond. Tennessee is a very good program on the diamond. Obviously, FSU needs all the help they can get in baseball, especially next year because that roster is gonna be flipped. But that's a story for another day. Um Uh, Real quick, Chris Thompson, yeah, here's your roses again. Major guy in this recruitment. Built a great relationship there. Has a good relationship with BJ. Great relationship with his head coach. And Ron Dugans came in and also built a very good relationship. And Chris Thompson kind of set the table for him, and he went and he ran with it. I love BJ's game. I think he's a phenomenally good athlete. He's a physical kid. He's a tough kid. I think those are great assets at wide receiver. He's also a dude that can do a lot of different things, and we know Mike Norvell loves having – fun toys in the offensive system that can be used in a number of versatile ways. And that's what this young man is to me. Uh, You you know, speaking on a take, not take situation, FSU has a crowded receiver board and it comes down to how many are they willing to take? Who do they have to hold a spot for? I think there's some guys, Jojo trader, for example, who would be a plus one type for them in the class. So it's a, it's a factor of moving numbers around and figuring out one thing I'll add kind of funny humorous story of Saturday uh, BJ had, done us a favor of giving us a heads up he was committing and we had content lined up and set and i think the original announcement time was scheduled for 7 p.m ultimately got pushed to 7 30 and that's when he went ahead and did it but camden fryer who bj knows i believe they played baseball together years ago and they're still buddies shows up arrives with fryer family and <laughs> bj comes out of the building at the top of his lungs we're gonna be teammates again this is like I don't know, one or two one, in the afternoon. Yeah, like one, yeah. So I like, walked really up to DJ. I go, I go, is seven o'clock still to plan? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, so, you know, to our credit and everybody else is out there that covers this beat. We sat on it and we held it because it's the kid's moment at, in the end. But uh, it was humorous because it was like, yeah, like, well, he just megaphoned it to everybody in front of Moore Center. So, but no. Nah. I'm excited about it. I actually intend to get up with Coach Stowe up there, who I've built a pretty good bond with over the years, and uh, get some of his coach thoughts on B.J. Gibson. So that's something I intend to do at some point this week when time allows.
1: I thought Chris was going to share the backstory of the B.J. Gibson crystal ball at first. Is honestly where I thought that was going.
0: I don't think we need to go there. Uh, I'm trying to keep Zach's blood pressure down.
1: Uh B Jacobson's the versatility you guys mentioned. There's no need for me to get in more depth there. Like, yeah, it's it, it's a lot of fun. He is the fourth wide receiver commit in this class. All four are four stars. Interesting that all like are listed similar body types, like between 5'11 to I think like 180-ish. Um, but they all have really different skill sets. And I think that that's cool to see that like Tawaski Abrams is a is a track standout. He is he is another multi-sport athlete with a high level of upside with, with his deep speed. BJ Gibson, we mentioned that he's also a multi-sport athlete, very versatile. Uh, Lewayne McCoy is got a ton of upside. He's only six foot one, but the wingspan of someone who's six foot five, so he presents as a bigger type of wide receiver. A- and then we mentioned Camden Fryer, who I think just does a lot of things really well and fits really well into FSU's scheme. Uh, someone who has some versatility with where he can play wide receiver. So a, a fun group, a group I'm very high on. I like what they're doing at wide receiver the Ron Dugan's redemption tour continues. This is like the second, this is like the European tour last year was the, the first uh, tour with, with him going to, uh, to the States and getting hiking Williams and all day Dre. And now this is uh, the next step of that. People are asking about like say Jojo trader and in the chat, Chris mentioned like if, if you can get him in the class, you find room, you take a fifth wide receiver. Like that's fine. But, uh, wasn't another wide receiver on campus, Zach? Was it Sam Madison? Is that who, it was? or not Sam Madison, James Madison, excuse me. Not yes. Sam Madison. Get in my Some Madison. of the former
2: president of the United States. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, James okay. Madison II was on campus. And he's a guy that the four State really likes out of South Florida. Listed at 6'3", I think 190 pounds. And actually visited. So he was on campus all of Saturday. And then he stayed into Sunday, but didn't actually come by the facility on Sunday. He was hanging out with FSU signees and fellow South Florida residents, Edwin Joseph and Conrad Hussey. Um, so I was told that, and they, they actually drove down together back to South Florida um, that Sunday. So a guy that FSU really um, has prioritized for a long time, uh, he's been on campus in January, March, and April, for a junior day in January, the legacy weekend in March, and then obviously the spring showcase this month. And he has set up an official visit to return to Tallahassee uh, for June 23rd. So it'll be the June 23rd through June 25th weekend, the last available official visit weekend in the month of June, and a weekend that Florida State is looking to load up on prospects visiting. Um, there's, I think I wrote in the article on No. War 7 about. From this weekend, there were four prospects that set up official visits just for that weekend, and there might be additional guys that that we're going to catch up with as well.
1: That is a prime commitment watch weekend, typically, or has been in the past. So worth acknowledging going into there, although there's still a lot of time between now and and late June. Uh, The other big recruiting news from the weekend, so we talked about the Landon Thomas crystal ball from Fong and and Zach's update on his visit. I know some people in the chat are asking about it who are watching live. It's been discussed. Uh, you can catch it later on the podcast or rewatch of this. Uh, and then obviously the BJ Gibson commitment. And then the, the third big element of news and and a damn big story here. That's that both Luke Cromanhawk, the FSU quarterback commit, as well as Cam Davis, the running back commit, both shut down the recruitments. Uh, Chris, how, how big is this given that like these guys were both getting uh, some some legitimate injuries from from other teams in your recruiting footprint nationally seems like a pretty sizable deal here for the Seminoles to get these guys to shut it down.
0: I mean, they're the official ticket for 2024 now, aren't they? From and Hawk Davis in 24. I mean, I feel like that's where we're at. I mean, that's that, subtext it's for a reason.
1: The joke that you're doing in the bottom of your
0: I, I try. Um, Luke's always been a pretty firm commitment. Penn State a week ago gave him a little bit of pause and a little bit to think about, and there's some family ties there. And they do a great job of rolling out the red carpet, as we spoke about previously. But Luke's always been a very solid FSU commitment throughout this, and it's excellent to have him publicly verbally stating the things he now did, and then going and acting upon that as continuing to be a very good recruiter. Because Luke is a personable kid, that's very easy to get along with. I thought it was very impressive to me in both of their cases. Cam Davis shut it down as he made his way in that day. I think 1 o'clock officially is when he did it that day. And that's a big deal because obviously Georgia, among others, are wholeheartedly pursuing Cam Davis, and he's an exceptional talent. But he has a very long and established relationship with FSU. His mother does as well, as well as other family members, but his mom's very outward with it, very public with it. And Mike Norvell has kind of led the charge there with David Johnson, obviously being involved in plenty of others. One thing I'll mention is Mike Norvell makes his way out onto the field as things are getting going for the spring showcase. I'm sorry, Brendan, spring game. And he makes his way to the side. I think he uh, maybe high fived cams little brother said hi to Cam's uh, mother. And I believe father who was there with her. And then he went over and found uh, mama Cromanhawk and I believe John father Hawk, was over there, said hello to them and worked his way around the group as well. But it was like the immediate priority and also the way things kind of worked out was that two group. I just uh, – it's an observation I made. I'm like, yeah, you know, like the guy gets it. He understands how valuable and important those young men are to this program. And they are. They are the kind of guys that can lead the church. They're exceptional talents, top players at their position. Luke is a guy FSU was way ahead of the industry and everybody else on. He's ascended massively. And Cam Davis, one, mature kid. Two, physically unbelievably good-looking kid. And three, supremely talented on the field. All great qualities yeah they've locked it down it's recruiting things change,
1: but... cam davis yes is he is in
0: cam cam's case uh, and a south georgia guy um it, it's excellent for fsu they're in a very very good spot where they've locked up some extremely good talent and guys that can recruit and lead from the perspective of recruiting in a class
2: shout out to luke croman He he announced his his uh, decision to shut things down in his recruitment through Knowles 24-7. There's an entire article where he explains the what went behind that decision um, on our site. And, you know, I'll read one quote, and I think it's pretty important. He said, Coach Mike Norvell believed in me first. From that moment on, I was welcomed into Null Nation. Me and my family, we were all welcomed. Everybody, everybody was showing us love, and it meant a lot to me. I committed to FSU over a year ago, and I've never really wavered in that decision just because I feel like I had found my home. I'm fired up for my official visit with my family in June, and I'm excited to shut down my recruitment 100%. It's
1: big. It's big. uh, He is a legitimate top 100 prospect, probably closer to top 50 at this point than top 100. Super toolsy. uh, Everything that you would want in a quarterback, he's able to provide from a physical standpoint. And uh, For him to embrace being the ambassador of this recruiting class and understand how big that's going to be for him to be solidified, um, yeah, that's really good for Florida State. Zach, let's talk about a few other recruitments, some other guys who were here this weekend. Maybe give it like three or four. I don't want us to go too into the weeds because you have all the great content at NOLS 24-7. I want the subscribers to get the main uh, amount of information, but I do want to share kind of what some of the, the big takeaways were from the weekend. So let's get into three or four big developments, and then we'll play some Buyers to Get out of here. Call it a day.
2: Well, there are three or four... Huge prospects on campus, and I mean literally because they had three of their top offensive linemen um, make visits for the spring game. And Jonathan Daniels, who finally made the trip to Florida State after his previous two trips fell through because of travel complications. um, He left the facilities on Saturday night, and Chris caught up with him, and he claimed the Seminoles will get one of his last official visits. I think LSU, Georgia, and Florida are some other competitors there. Jason Zandamella made his third trip to FSU this offseason, and he enjoyed himself. I caught up with him last night, and the story with him, the full recruiting story on him, is, is up on those 24 7 right now. He said he has scheduled his OV to FSU for that same June 23rd weekend. I know a lot of people were, were predicting him to make a decision this weekend. I don't expect him to make a commitment until early July. He's basically following what his former teammate Lucas Simmons did last cycle, and he's going to make a, uh, his official visits in June. He's going to actually have his parents who, or his dad who lives currently in Mozambique, Africa, to fly out to join him on those summer official visits, and then he'll make that decision, like I said, um, in the first few weeks of July, and he plans to live stream it just like Lucas Simmons did. And then the last offensive lineman on note, Manase Ititi, Made his first ever trip to Tallahassee from Modesto, California, um, Central Catholic High School. He's actually from the Democratic Republic of the Congo, but he currently lives in California. And uh, he told uh, 24-7 Sports' Steve Wolfong that FSU was in the top three already going into the visit. And because of the visit, they had pushed to the first spot. Um, Derek Ray, Alex Atkins, Gabe Fertita, and Mike Norvell are doing an excellent job with ETT. And FSU looks like the school best positioned to land him moving forward. Um, he will be back in Tallahassee for
0: that same OV weekend, the last weekend of June. I'll add some guys too while we're talking here, especially because our host has now disappeared as he's on a bender again. Dylan Stevenson, Miami Columbus defensive end, came in. I'm a huge fan of the kid. Very intelligent young man, yeah. very good football player in a high school defensive end that would really be beneficial to add for them. He Talked about talking to John Papuchis. He's been to FSU numerous times. So I think in this case, it was kind of getting one more fill. The biggest thing that stood out to me is Dylan's gotten noticeably bigger and in a good way. He's definitely filling out. I think he told me he's had about 15 pounds since his football season. He said he, yeah, since the end of the football season. That was impressive. And now he's in focus season as far as probably getting close to setting a date and making a decision. FSU's in there. uh, Miami's in there. Stanford is in there, which speaks to its intelligence. Mm A few others. There's a full update on the site. Dylan's comments are very good. I thought it was very interesting. Dylan maybe had the most keen observations of any kid we spoke with about the spring showcase. Sorry, Brendan, spring game where he talked about Jared Verse standing up a little bit more. And he also spoke on the high school development that he's seen from guys like Patrick Payne and Byron Turner, which is excellent to hear because, you know, FSU probably has to combat a little bit of, oh, they only take transfers at that position. When recruiting high school DN. That, so that's one thing I would mention to there.
1: that that point. That's really big that they were able to make it, and for him to retain it, that's that's good, man.
2: Chris, yeah, what was he, your reaction yeah. when he, when he used the word plethora?
0: Oh, there wasn't a physical. There, it was all physical. The heart fluttered a bit. I mean, like you use plethora correctly to speak on how many visits you've taken. It's like you're writing the article for me. I mean, I I appreciated it.
1: One time, Niall Lawrence Stample, when talking about the the 2015 defense, described it as a malleable group and used it correctly, and that was pretty cool. Bender, I hardly know her, so I wanted to make that joke a minute ago when Chris said I was on a bender and I wasn't in the room, but I could hear what you guys were saying about me. All right, anything else recruiting-wise before we play Bayer-Synone?
0: I think we're good. We have a ton on the site. Zach Zach has an excellent rundown, kind of encapsulating a lot of it. We'll have some more individual updates that we have to run out of guys that we're getting exclusively as we work the phones and stuff. Uh, We had a good bit that evening, despite Mother Nature trying to just completely wash us out at you the end of the game a I, got, I got a story all right
1: I got a story yes yeah. no 24-7 tons of recruiting content I feel like we're doing a lot of navel gazing this episode but I, I am proud of the work that you guys put in recruiting wise myself with the team coverage just the collective at NOLS 24-7 uh, let's talk about as the spring game is is winding down uh, post post spring interviews are, are concluding it's about BJ Gibson o'clock. has committed yeah Jameer so Watkins for
0: basketball has just committed so yeah eight o'clock's rolling around
1: a lot happened. We're getting stuff up from the from the spring game as well. So a lot's happening. A storm's coming to Tallahassee, and if you know, you know. MagLab usually around Florida State's campus keeps things away, but this was a very clear indicator based on the radar that there was nothing the MagLab could do. There was no magic that was going to happen. It was coming for all of us. It was coming for the entire the entire Panhandle, and it was coming swiftly. Uh, I got to the car, and I the plan was for us to go out to dinner, do a little bit of work to finish things up. Uh, and so I got to my car. First off, we sent the gimpy guy to the car. Probably not the best idea for a, a timely uh, endeavor, right? That things were were happening with the storm quickly. It was starting to lightning, getting a little windier. Uh, I got to my car, gave Zach a call. We we're trying to figure out where we we're gonna go for dinner. I said I want a burger. When he asked what I wanted, he then promptly threw out multiple burrito places because he's I. I don't know. Um,
2: you weren't the only one that was eating.
1: But you were the one. You asked me what I wanted. No, I
2: asked I asked the general group. You were just on the phone.
0: Shout, Shout out, out Relish.
1: Relish. Yeah, we went to Relish. And then I to sponsor the podcast. Relish, if you want to sponsor us, I do endorse your burger. It was a very good experience. However, long story short, uh, I go to start pick up the guys. but to go all the way around Doak to pick them up. It's about a five-minute endeavor. And as I'm like a minute away, find out that Chris decided to start walking to his car with the storm coming which there, there was no reason for it. The, there, the ride was coming and it started pouring. It just opened up uh, angry, uh, like biblical storm. And then we, I pick up Dane, I pick up Zach. I have no idea what happened to Chris. I assume he may have been you know, like Noah's Ark, but didn't get on the Ark. Like he may have just gone away, get to relish. And there's Chris in the corner. Uh, very, 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 very damp.
0: I was soaking wet. So it I parked over trouble? by Chiefs Field. For those mm-hmm. that had no campus, I was all by the marching Chiefs Field. I left the more I got like behind home plate baseball entrance and started feeling raindrops. And by the time I got to the ticket office on the first base side, right field side of the baseball stadium, yeah, Mother Nature won. So the whole trip from that point to actually Chiefs Field, I was parked against the fence near Chiefs Field between the Leech and the Sarkis. Yeah, I, I got poured upon.
1: But it was an on I was running. Because- I
0: ran more on Saturday than I've run in the last month because I hauled ass as fast as I could to my car. It,
1: the part of the story that I think needs to be emphasized is that there was no point for Chris to do that. The ride was coming. There wasn't.
0: I'll own that. I mean, I don't like Brendan's car a whole lot. I'll be honest about that. But, like, There's I just thought I could shit. make it. And I calculated wrong. So, <laughs> Mother Nature wins again. Brendan yeah. had to sit beside me for dinner. He was very uncomfortable how wet I was. <laughs>
1: Uh, pulling turn. up the kids show banner. Hang on, hang on, hang on. There it is. All right. Let's play <laughs> buyer's and own sponsored by the,
2: the Turner, Turner group. group. You
1: guys got it. The Turner group uh, is kicking butt, taking names in central Florida, husband and wife, realty company, Colin, Amy Turner, FSU grads, Colin in 20. I got it in front of me. Colin t- 2005, Amy 2006, Uh, And they do a fantastic job doing a a boutique agency experience in Central Florida and really throughout the state of Florida. They're expanding their umbrella. They're they're under the Keller Williams umbrella, but they keep getting bigger and bigger with where they're going to be uh, offering their services. So if you are looking to buy or sell a home uh, anywhere in the state of Florida, if you're out of state trying to move into the state of Florida, which is something a lot of people are doing, Colin Turner is where you want to start, the Turner Group. Uh, does an excellent job of, of giving a very uh, thorough in-depth experience and super responsive Colin is and, and also just a huge FSU fan. So you want thorough, you want care, you want someone who's going to work hard for you. The Turner Group is where we recommend you to look for all your realty needs. You can reach out to Colin at 407-403-8546. Shout out 407, represent Orlando. Uh, get started at turnergroup.com is the email address. Let's get going on Byers sanone here. Starting off with Illinois Byers sponsored by the Turner Group. Okay. Dmac would be welcomed back if the team let him. It's interesting. I was to know that
0: I think there's a possibility in the realm of possibilities that yes it could happen but he would have to earn it back entirely. He would have to essentially it would be comparable to coming back from a suspension, not saying he's suspended. Just saying that's what it would be like, I think, for him.
1: experience. You would have to do certain things to make up for missed time. And and yeah, and whether he's willing to. Uh, feedback I would gotten back before he had actually entered the portal was that he would have to kind of do what you just outlined, Chris, for him to to return to the team. And he wasn't uh, super privy to that or a fan of that at that time. So I'm going to Sunone. I, I don't think that's that's something that's going to happen.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, so easy Sunone. I think he's... Lost the respect of his fellow players, and you'd have to earn it back.
1: Uh, Matt three two nine byersonone sponsored by the Turner Group. Group. FSU gets two more public commitments before next weekend. I like, I like that 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 there's uh, also known it.
0: Also, also known it. I feel extremely confident about one. I don't feel extremely confident about two.
1: Scranton, Null, Byers, Sonoma, Bless, Harris, and Jeremiah Byers are your starting tackles in 2023. How uh, to start? Like, let's I say think like, starting, uh, you think LSU, that's going to be the LSU starting lineup. Is yeah. I, Byers and Harris.
0: I'll buy it for now. I think Harris was very, I felt like Harris is a guy that had a very good back half of the spring. It was like the Russ had to be shaken off in the first half, and the back half was really, really good. I'm obviously very high on Jeremiah Byers. I'm only allowed to say so much because of the restraining order. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel like those two, along with Darius Washington and Robert Scott, are probably your four leading candidates. And Julian Armill is probably your fifth, if I had to stack them up in an order. But, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and buy it. I, I, I don't think it's a certainty. I think Robert Scott still has a shot, but he's coming off of another injury two straight off seasons of dealing with pretty bad injuries in the lower half. I'm just interested how he responds to all that.
2: Yeah. I'm going to send known. I think it's going to be buyers and Scott.
1: Yeah, Robert Scott coming back from injury after spring. Have to see where he is with that. Um, I think bless Harris has done enough to start though. So I'll push back on that. Zach. I, I think bless Harris is a starting tackle. What tackle I don't know. Uh, I think Byers is someone that, that probably has the most athletic upside on the roster. He also still adjusting playing at the, the power five levels. So like there's a variable of, of this going throughout the entire spring um, or sorry, the entire off season that we've seen the spring of like, how much more does he develop and, and get used to this, this level of play. I thought Darius Washington was really good in the spring game. I don't know if he's a tackle for you. I think he might ideally be a guard, or, or some of the, even say like, we're going to play you at all five spots and, and learn that, which is something that we know he's, he's done already. But like, is that what it's best value is? So there's like four legitimate starters at offensive tackle right now. How far they've come.
0: Boy, have times have changed.
1: I uh, I will, I will, I will, I will <laughs> known it. I not. I think that's what your, your end of year combination is probably the most likely to be. I don't know if I'm buying that for the start of the season. Uh, how's that for hedging? South 28, Byers-Sanone, FSU and the ACC have a public breakup in August. August? Sanone, I, I don't think there's an imminent timeline to this. Um, that would be pretty cool, I, though, if it happened at the ACC kickoff.
0: Oh, Sanone, I think we're already sleeping in separate bedrooms, but, like, I don't think the divorce is quite happening anytime soon.
2: Yeah, Sanone, so we're going to have a lot of legal paperwork to get through.
1: I'm going to throw this to this one to you, Zach. Byerson sponsored by
2: the Turner group.
1: FSU 2024 wide receiver class will be more impactful than the 2023 wide receiving class uh, in terms of just like straight up production, Zach.
2: I'm actually, I'm going to buy that. I think by a number standpoint, they have a higher likely chance of accomplishing that because they're going to add more to the roster through that. And I think, I think Dre and Hakeem have a really good shot of being dudes for FSU in the future. And then Goldie comes in likely during the summer and he has a shot to, to do something in the, uh, in the long run at, at Florida state, but they've got so many gadgets, gadgety guys in this class that do a lot of different things. They got speed. They've got guys that can you know run out of the backfield and just, you know, be in the slot or, or line up out wide and, and they're, they're not done either. They're continuing to recruit that position and there's some other really talented prospects they'd like to add. So yeah, I'll buy that. That's the 24 class. will have a greater impact at the receiver position.
0: I truthfully struggle with this one. Cause I, I feel like Hakeem and Dre would be at the top of the 24 class. um, But I get Zach's point of the numbers game and what's going on there. So I, it, it's a tough call. They're really recruiting that position phenomenally well. Um, but Hakeem's the kind of dude that's capable of being a number one outside guy. He has to get there. He has to develop to that. He has to cut weight, you know, get more acclimated to the college game. There's a lot of work. And Dre's a dude who is just a dude in every which way, and he's proven that throughout this spring. So uh, Destin, Destin Hill is from a class when, like, what, 21 technically? We, so, yeah, we're not for the we're podcast not on this conversation.
1: Someone asked if we're considering Destin Hill in this class. No, we are not. Uh, If Destin Hill makes it, he will be part of the 2021 class. And the most miraculous recruiting development that's maybe ever happened in in the history of covering recruiting.
0: I guess for now, based on who is committed versus who's enrolled, I'm going to Sunone it and stick with the 23 group because of how highly I think of the capability of those two. But I really like the 24 group. And if they add somebody like a JoJo Trader, then it would, easily flip that direction because JoJo Trader is better than those out of two.
1: You, you want to know why you're wrong on that, Chris? Sure. <laughs> One, uh, four is more than than three, and five is more than three, and they will add more. Two, Hiking Williams and, and Drake currently are probably the higher upside guys. That also means that they probably have a higher chance of departing the program early to go to the NFL. Uh, so we're talking about just production and long Waves, I would take four guys who are probably going to be there for four or five years versus, you know, two who are going to be there for three or four. So that's that's why. How's that? Playing chess over here, not checkers. Here's the question for you guys. Would you rather have a singular wide receiver that has the skill set of the 2023 wide receivers all rolled into one, like all the strings or a wide receiver that has the skill set of all the 2024 prospects all rolled into one?
0: 23 because give me big outside, big wow. outside wins. It's why Johnny Wilson and Tron are probably going to be your one and twos. They're big, they're outside skill guys. Tron's an extremely good athlete for a big guy. Johnny obviously catch ready is out of wazoo. If you take Dre Jacobs' athleticism and slap it into Hakeem Williams' body, yeah, I'm probably taking that over any version of 24.
2: Actually, yeah, I agree with Chris. I think that's I, I like the skill sets of 2024 or 2024, but a lot of those guys. They do, do, they do similar things, um, and I think Hakeem and Dre are very different, but they both have really uh, awesome skill sets in, in specific areas, and I think combining the two would be would be awesome, along with Goldie. Don't forget about Goldie. Chris, and Dustin Hill.
1: Chris, are you guzzling Mountain Dew before noon?
2: Are you
0: a gamer?
1: Oh, wow. That's just that's not what you do, Chris. It's zero sugar. I have a problem.
0: I didn't feel like coffee this morning.
1: Um, by Sanone this is from Bloom24, Landon Thomas flips to FSU. <laughs> oh, I probably should have read that one ahead of time. Uh, Follow-up By Orsonone, <laughs> he flips to FSU before June officials. Um, Let's go. Original 24-7, Tur- the Turner Group. He just shouts it out. Thank you. Uh, by Sanone Luke and Cam's shutdown of their recruitment will encourage others currently committed to do so uh i'll Sinonics, i don't know i mean is there anyone who like needs to like have that public i guess it was bigger for those two as the the bell cows of the class and who they're hearing from so i guess yeah i mean thing.
2: camden fryer's taken some visits to like Bama and texas a&m in the past but i mean i don't uh, not a ton of the other guys are like huge huge uh priorities for for other schools right now i mean that could become the case and they could take visits but in recent months they haven't uh, been on many
0: campuses yeah the next two highest rated commitments after the two that you talked about are twosky abrams and there's been a little weirdness uncertainty there ever since the commitment visit florida for example hasn't been back here it is what it is but like i don't think he needs a public display of shutting it down especially in a group where there's a lot of guys in that room next guy up is Lil Wayne mccoy very fresh commitment we know that's going to have some twists and turns. Miami isn't going to go away. There, he's in their backyard, so that's going to continue. You know, that's one where maybe down the road, yes, we need to have that conversation. But like right now, I think it's you know, he could say that today, and I'm not going to believe it because he's you know, Miami Central, Miami Hurricanes, right there. He's going to show back up on that campus.
1: Oh, the message board post when when that happens too. Give me all the all the angry page views. J-Rod, three, three, one, or just, sorry, 3-1. Sorry, J-Rod. Byers-Sanone, with FSU going all in for 2023, in 2024 we will see a 1-2 to drop-off due to all the talent leaving after this year. Uh, by, I think that's a fairly safe, like there will be probably a, a setback from just it, definitely experience and probably talent level in 2024, and that's okay. Um,
2: yeah, that's by. I mean, I think they're going to lose a, a ton of, veteran players and they're going to have to play some youth in the uh, 2024 season and they're going to be breaking a new quarterback so that's always tough Um, yeah I'll buy that
0: yeah they're they're playing for 23 like the chips are in on 23 and that's what they're going to try to do I don't think they'll take a massive step back I don't think it's going to regress back to what it was just a few short years ago but yes it will take a step back
1: all right, we, we're up to an hour here. Let's just go like five more minutes, guys, and we'll wrap up. I don't want the full one-hour and 15-minute podcast, which Zach complains about later as being brutal because it is a, a long time. But um, let, let's finish up here. Uh, let's see. Clay Cloud, 1996, byers Sinone, FSU finished with the highest-rated class out of Florida's Big Three. Um,
0: I feel like it's trending that way. I mean, Miami doesn't currently have the same level of juice I feel like they did a year ago.
1: Um, they they did just
0: get Chance week. Robinson. They they got another kid, I believe, from Louisiana. So they did pick up a couple weekend commitments, and Chance is a good add for them. Florida is doing a good job recruiting under Billy. Um, you know, the Xavier Fosami kid from Texas committed during their spring game. They're going to get some, but Florida's also got to win football games to retain what they're going to get. And I don't know how good they're going to be at that this year. And that's not even me trying to be throwing shade. I just, I'm not super convinced Florida's going to be a very good football team on the field this year. So I, I think FSU has a real shot, yes. I'll buy. Yeah, I think
2: UF's putting together a decently good class. Um, their recent commitments have been pretty impressive. I think it's be pretty – like Florida State's not going to be behind like they were last cycle. Like they're definitely going to be competing with those two schools. Um, Miami, obviously, you know, Crystal wall that's his thing, right? Like he's going to put together top recruiting classes. He's done that at every stop. So I'm not going to start downing them now. Despite you know them having some some woes on the field last season, you know, they'll probably put together a, pro- a better product than last year, and I think that'll probably help them in recruiting and then UF. And I think that staff has done a really good job of of recruiting uh, some top prospects across the country, and you know they just rebranded their collective, so maybe that gets them some juice. I think it's going to be some big uh, competition in the state um, for, for within those recruiting rankings when it comes down to to December and January
1: and February uh let's see so i'm going through something that i want to ask uh broward Knoll 15 buyers to known sponsored by the turner group you like the committed prospects taking their ovs in the summer months why or why why not well that's not really a buyer to um bye <laughs> uh i think i think getting the ov done if you can for fsu you basically like if you're in a if you're in a point of being the aggressor and being the one who's dictating terms on the recruiting trail which i think we just talked about, like regionally like fsu is very much so in the state of florida based on the season they just had Uh, doing it in june is great because you get the ov you get them locked down before the season and then you know like if if a kid takes an ov elsewhere like that's that's a an alarming sign Uh, you can kind of wave the wave the sirens or wave the alarms the sirens i don't know what i'm saying but uh, it's a thing to to monitor if someone else does a visit after after committing to you during an ov so i i'm a fan of it i think i think it's fine what about you guys?
0: I admittedly completely missed a question. Sorry. Okay, so, that's fine. Man. All right,
1: moving on. No, that's we're really <laughs> taking the land in here. Uh Bayers Sinone from NYC Null sponsored by the Turner Group. The Group. Turner Group. Uh, I'm Ricky focused Knight, again. I'm focused. Ricky Knight the third will be a take by June. He was here visiting <sighs> this weekend. He got a Miami crystal ball. Seems like it's a really deep DB class. And I don't know if he's a, a for sure take right now. Chris, what do you think about like June potentially
0: i would love him to be i'm on record as being a huge fan of his competitiveness combined with his game i think he shows out in every setting when he performs i just don't know if he's type they love i feel like they are looking for a certain kind of height length ability at those positions and right now that's what they're valuing the most on their board so i guess for now i'm gonna have to sonone it which hurts me a little i mean
2: he doesn't lack in height. He's six foot tall, 170 pounds. Um,
1: I think it's just what's probably the like cutoff for what they want their DBs moving yeah. forward.
2: I just think, uh, they, I think that board is still shuffling around, and you know he could be a take right now, or could like could not be. Um, but I think it's going to look a lot different come June. Some guys are going to make decisions that'll impact things, um, and they need to figure out who are legitimate guys for them, guys that they have true interests, and that are receiving or that they're getting reciprocal interest Um, because that's kind of what the spring is about is finding out the guys you really want to target for the summer officials and then obviously heading into the fall who you're going to try to um, go big game hunting for. And I think that's Florida State's goal, right? They want to get a guy like Charles Lester in the boat as a cornerback. I think Ricky Knight is definitely on the board. I don't know where he sits along that pecking order.
0: I think FSU, like I said, is still kind of figuring that out. How much really are they losing for- in that room? After the season? At corner specifically. Yeah, corner specifically. Oh, Renardo probably, think- right? Renardo
1: and Jarian, uh, exhaust eligibility. Uh, Fentrell, if things go really well for him, yes, but I think he has two years of eligibility remaining. Akeem
0: um, Dunn?
1: Well, I'm TV, talking just corner, TV. though, more so. Okay.
0: I'm, I'm more focusing on the idea of corner. That's what I view Ricky as.
1: So, very likely. Because, like, less. In-
0: West- Lester to me is a guy I think they get like right now. If, uh, maybe I'll do a show Chris or Ball of Charles Lester at FSU. Should Oh I my know?
1: god! No way. He won't do it. You won't. I'm, I'm no. i I might. I may. He just visited I do believe, Georgia I do Kirby Star is, He did is visit awesome. in
2: Georgia. I
0: Kirby agree with Smart. you there, but FSU has had the lasting power with Charles Lester. The focus for him's been FSU and then Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State's a little bit in there, but I think it's more so. FSC, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, if I was ranking them in order, that's how I'd rank them. Um, But I do think they get Lester. So that's one. So, like, how many more do they truly have to go get? They have some young guys in that room I know they certainly like. You know, AZ Thomas, even though he didn't have a great spring, I think is a guy they still are buying stock in. Quindarius Jones is a new guy we've really liked in spring. you got Edwin Joseph coming in who could play corner, could play safety. Uh, Some other pieces in that, that secondary can move around, too. So I'm just interested from a number standpoint, like it, it the cornerback and DB recruiting as a whole has been a little uh, slow and steady to this point in time. And I think that's with intention. I think it's, you get a guy like Charles Lester, and then you kind of figure out who is next.
1: So <laughs> the I, I was about to show it. Uh, I just It's funny because I was about to say, I just had someone else text me uh, that Chris has never looked more like a bear than he does at this moment. <laughs> The, off a bear a beard is glorious. if you're gonna be
0: a bear be a grizzly bear
1: i knew he was gonna say that all right last one here <clears throat> bj3 pug buyer sanone fsu loses a projected starter to the transfer portal transfer portal window has opened up uh no one has entered just yet uh to, to my knowledge uh definitely not anyone has entered officially uh either um <laughs> I think it's all like depends. Like, this question may have had a different answer a few days ago or a week ago or two weeks ago. Like, I don't know. So, it's, the, I,
0: the renegotiation period is going well. That's what Brendan's trying to say.
1: I didn't say that. Uh, I will. I will. I mean, we, Derek McClendon's already a, a starter, or a fridge starter that they lost to the portal. I'll buy there being at least one more disruption in the next two weeks. I think there's too much that happens uh, this time of year and with the, the portal and NIL and all that stuff being kind of coinciding together to where I anticipate there to be something that could happen. So I think like it's not a hard buy, but I, I will buy it.
0: I will Sunone on a starter. I will buy on a two deep. Same. I was going to
2: say it's an easy buy for me on a two deep. I think schools across the country are so desperate for, players at certain positions that they're going to be shopping around people's rosters. And I think Florida state, you know, especially for sec schools, like we talked about, um, because they can't go in conference for transfers, right. they're going to be, uh, I don't want to, you know, accuse anyone, but tampering, they're going to be tampering. Um, that is definitely happening in college. football. Working right back
1: now. channels is what we're going to call it. Zach. This I'm is- not,
2: I don't, I don't, why, why do we have to, it's oh. happening in college football teams are doing that. Um, so in, you can tell we're approaching 115 zach's getting snippy. <sighs> you said five more minutes. It's been like nine. Um no, but, <laughs> but who's <I> think counting? <laughs> me. Um, but yeah, I think uh I think I'll buy on the 2D, but I'm gonna Synone on the starter.
1: Okay, very good. Well, that was buyer Synone sponsored by
2: the, the Turner, Turner Group. Group. The now Turner Group Podcast, please.
1: All right. <laughs> Sorry, calling that second just disrupted the last part of your read. all right for Chrisney, for cranky irritable angsty i'm zach blosting i'm brendan sanone uh this has been on the bench we will talk to you guys later thanks for watching everyone thanks for listening Bye.